Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Uh, We are in the study of the book of James. All Day, Every Day is the title of this series because we believe that we need to have godly habits in our life all day, every day. And James is writing a letter. It's five chapters. He's writing this letter to Jewish believers who had kind of strayed away from actually really following after God in their life. And they kind of gotten off course. And James is writing this letter and he's reminding them, hey, guess what? You need to put your faith into action. You need to all of a sudden put back into your life some godly habits in your life so that you can find a rhythm for your faith. Because if you find that rhythm... All day, every day, guess what? It can be life-changing for you because godly habits, when you start turning those into actions, guess what? It brings stability in your life. All of a sudden, how many need stability in your life? I need it every day. I mean, I want to know that God is leading me, God is guiding me, and we can know that as we continue to follow after God. Um, Last week I shared in James chapter 3, the first half of the chapter, we talked about the power of the tongue. How the, the tongue has power to cut through things. And, and, and what we say comes from our thoughts, right? It's what we think and then all of a sudden we blurt it out. And sometimes we just need to be a little slower with what we're going to blurt out and the power of the tongue. Well, really this week we're in the second half of James chapter 3. And we're talking about wisdom. And really these two things are kind of a continuation from last week. Because if we really want to have power over our tongue, power over our thoughts, then what we need to ask for us, for our life, is to have godly wisdom. We need godly wisdom in our life. And um, so that's the topic of this week. And I encourage you just right now, if you have your Bibles or if you have your devices, turn to James chapter 3, and we're going to start at verse 13, and we're going through verse verse 18. Feel free to leave that open because that's the text for today. And as I was reading this portion of Scripture... My mind went to the title of the book, A Tale of Two Cities. And I think the reason that I was thinking about that is because really what James is talking about is two opposing forces, two different ways to look at life. And James describes two different paths that you can take for your life. There is either godly wisdom or earthly wisdom. And godly wisdom looks very different than the wisdom that is portrayed in our world. It really does. For example... And just to, because, see, godly wisdom, if you talk to people in our society today and you talked about godly wisdom, they would look at you as you're foolish, you're dumb. Let me give you a couple examples. Godly wisdom says that if someone slaps you on the side of the face that you're supposed to turn your other cheek and let them slap you on that side of the face. You tell someone out there in their, just the regular world about godly wisdom and say, that's really dumb you know, that's, that doesn't make any sense to me. Why would you let some... Godly wisdom says that if you have an enemy that hates you, guess what? That you're called to love them. Not only are you called to love them, you're called to pray for them. That is the opposite of what you would see in the wisdom of this world. Godly wisdom says that you don't store up treasures for yourself upon this earth. Instead, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to give. You don't store up treasures of 401k, nothing wrong with any of those things. But in, in reality, what we're called to do, what Christ calls us to do, is make sure that we're making an investment, not just in this world, but better yet, our investment is into the kingdom of heaven, which is going to be our place for all of eternity. 
Are we investing? That doesn't make any sense in worldly wisdom. What are you? What, how much do you give to the church? What is wrong with you? Why are you doing that? There are opposing forces. Which one are we going to follow is the question. And one thing is for certain you're going to follow one or the other. Godly wisdom or the wisdom of this world. And let's read verses 13 through 18 in James chapter 3. It says these, these words. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is a selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is a jealousy and a selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind." But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and it always is sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and will reap a harvest of righteousness. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray right now that your Holy Spirit, Lord God, will bring these words to life in such a way that, Lord, we will be impacted, that our life will change by the power of your word. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So in this passage of Scripture, James is describing two different types of wisdom. And I want to just take a moment and let's look at these two types of wisdom. And we're going to start off by looking at earthly wisdom, which I've entitled ungodly wisdom. According to James, there, there are two main elements of this wisdom. The first element that we find is jealousy. And not just any kind of jealousy, but it says bitter jealousy. And jealousy comes from the desire of, of wanting to have something that you don't have, but someone else already has it. It's a desire to possess something that someone else has. And bitter jealousy is this feeling of injustice. It's, an, it's a feeling of entitlement. Like, I want what you have. Even if I don't deserve it, you don't deserve it, I deserve it. It's a bitter entitlement. We see a lot of that right now, this bitter jealousy in people's lives. And this kind of bitter jealousy drives people to do very evil things. And it's the exact opposite of what godliness is. A person can be jealous of many things. I mean, when you're driving down the road in your little Toyota Corolla and, and it's 20 years old and you love your car, but all of a sudden you see this other car, woo, and you go, oh, my goodness. I got, to, I got to drive this really cool sports car this week. Brett hooked me up, and I got to drive the sports car down the road. I started getting a little jealous. I thought, man, this thing, I haven't driven a stick for a long time. And this thing had pop, and it had, I'm thinking, wow, this is pretty cool. And you, all of a sudden you, get, you can be jealous of someone's home. You can be jealous of someone's job, someone's opportunity. You can be jealous of someone else's kids. Why are their kids so good and mine aren't? You can be jealous of a spouse, of another spouse. It's crazy on the news all of a sudden you find out someone murdered someone because they wanted to get connected with this person. That all comes from this evil desire of jealousy. Wanting something that we don't have but we want some, some, someone else has. It's a selfishness that is arising in us. 
Jealousy is the opposite of love. And I believe that the devil uses jealousy to distract us from God's opportunity, God's purposes in our life. Jealousy will blind us to the opportunities that God has already planned for our lives. And I've seen this happen before. It's kind of an amazing scenario where I've been talking to someone and they have this great opportunity that's just sitting right in front of them. But because they are blinded because of jealousy, all they say, they're comparing themselves to someone else. I wish I was that person. I wish I had that person's opportunity. That's all they can see. And they miss out on the opportunity that's sitting right in front of them. Because they're looking at someone else. They're comparing themselves to someone else. God says we shouldn't do that. That's not what we're called to do. And this is something that is pretty, think about this thought. Jealousy is really stating that you are not satisfied with what God has already given you. Just let that sit for a moment. Can you imagine us telling God, I'm not satisfied with what you've given me? You're comparing your life with someone else's and you feel cheated. The Bible says that we should be content in our life. The Apostle Paul talks about finding contentment in our life, meaning that we should be grateful for what God has already provided for us. It's not that we shouldn't have desires. It's not that we shouldn't have goals in our life. But it's the opportunity to recognize, God, you've already set some things before me. Let me go ahead and move forward in those areas of my life. And guess what? When we do so, when we see what God's already placed before us, God will open up new doors and new opportunities for our life. It's scriptural. You'll read it throughout Scripture. You'll read it through the parable of the talents. They were faithful to the some talents. God blessed them with even more. But you got to be able to catch us. you got to be able to see the talent. If you can't see the talent, you'll never put the talent to use. You'll just be scared. You'll be fearful. You'll, or you'll always be looking at, why did, why did he give him five talents and I only ended up with one talent? That's stupid. I'm not going to take time with my one. I'm just going to go bury it. When he comes back, I'll give it back to him. See what I'm saying? We, we don't, you got one talent, man. Use it to the best of your ability. Use it for all that God has given you, man. The Bible says we should be content. The second element of godly wisdom is selfish, amb- of ungodly wisdom is selfish ambition. Selfish ambition is driven by the desires of an ungodly heart. It's an ambition that is only concerned about me, myself, and I. It's all self-centered. The desire and focus is built upon the rewards of this world and has really no regards for the kingdom of heaven. It's always looking at what can I get out of life? What can I get out of this life? What can, I, what can make my life better? It's the idea that I don't look at people to see how I can help. I look at people to see what I can get from them. Yeah, I'll let that sit in because we all do that at times in life. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, verse, thir- verse 3, says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And there is another example of godly wisdom that is opposite of what the world, world's wisdom would say. You sh- why? You're, you're going to look at others better than yourselves? You're going to give up that opportunity for someone else? That doesn't make any sense. But you see, here's what I know. God loves givers. God loves when someone put, is willing to put someone else in front of themselves. Because when he sees that, he goes, ah, I see a giver there. Guess what? I'm going to open up greater opportunities for that person because he's lifting others up. Just Side note, that didn't even cost you an extra penny at all right there. 
As followers of Jesus, we are put in the kingdom of God first in our life. Just as Jesus did when he left heaven and came to earth, guess what? He was put in the kingdom of God first by reconciling us to him. Jesus shared this wonderful truth in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It's a great life verse if you don't have one. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. All the things that we have a tendency to worry about. Jesus says, if you just, wor- guess what, worry about one thing. Seek me first. Put me, put, seek after my righteousness. I'll take care of the rest. That scripture goes on and talks about how he takes care of the the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. How much more will I take care of you? Jesus is trying to reveal to you a greater opportunity that does not exist in this world. It's an opportunity that only exists with him in the kingdom of heaven. It's not that God doesn't want you to have success, but that your success is pointed in the right direction. That truly matters. James states that jealousy... And selfish ambition are not a part of God's kingdom. In fact, it's the exact opposite of what God's kingdom is all about. Exact opposite. Because jealousy and selfishness promotes disorder and evil desires. If you've ever been jealous in your life, and I'm sure all of us have gotten to a point where like, all of a sudden there's evil. You can feel it. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. You can actually kind of feel it. Like, why am I doing that? What's wrong? It's an evil desire that's creeping inside, and we got to surrender that to the power of God. Say, no, 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 I'm not going down that road. Take a moment here, and I want to look at the end of verse 14 of James chapter 3. James makes a very interesting statement. He states, he states, if you are bitterly jealous and selfish, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. And as you read that, sometimes we just read right through that scripture, but we don't ever take a moment and, and think about what does that really mean? What is James actually stating here, and I decided to entitle this next thought, the great cover-up. It's the great cover-up. It's the idea of trying to disguise what is true by boasting and lying. It's masquerading your intentions to, as godly and honorable when really they're ex- the exact opposite of godly and honorable. You're, you're trying to disguise the truth. It's trying to appear as something that you're not. We just got done with Halloween and everybody got dressed up. And I saw many of you on Instagram or Facebook and, and you have phenomenal costumes. But can you imagine all of a sudden that, you know, today you still wore your cost- costume. You all came in your costumes today. And then tomorrow you come, come in your costume the next day and the next day and the next day. And you, and you do that for the rest of the year and start for next year. You just remain in your costume. And what James is saying is some of you are masquerading as godliness when really there is nothing, there is nothing godly about you because you have jealousy and selfish ambition and hatred inside of your heart. Guess what? Strip that stuff away and show your true self that all of a sudden you can be healed from the jealousy and the selfish ambition and find godliness for your life. This is what James is talking about. Stop covering up. Stop having this cover-up in your life. James, in this passage of Scripture, is talking about real life. People who have chosen to live behind a mask of deception. They're not allowing the true intentions of the heart be seen. It's an idea of deceiving others for personal manipulation. And they do this covering up by boasting and lying. For example... Someone might have a tendency, if you've ever seen someone who has a tendency to be jealous, they, they will come up and, and they'll talk to you and say, oh man, I, you, you had an accomplishment, I'm so excited for you. Man, it's wonderful, it's awesome. But for some reason it doesn't feel right. You know, anybody, 
You feel like the, the compliment is not real, it's not authentic. You know, you know what I'm saying? Have you ever experienced that? Later on, you find out from behind your back, they're talking about you. And they say, oh, man, you know, Sally, she got an A in that class, but she never deserved that, that A. She was just a teacher's pet. But from one side, they compliment you. From behind you, they're criticizing you. Do you see the mask? Do you see the cover-up? Another example is when, when something goes wrong and someone else walks up to you and they're so concerned for you. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so. But in their heart, yes, they failed. Yes, I knew they, were, they weren't that good. Yes, it, James says that's evil. That comes from a dark place in our life. We shouldn't be doing that. We should be celebrating. Uh, the, the point I'm trying to make is that a jealous person is constantly trying to cover up their true feelings. And I'm not referring to a person that has an occasional thought of jealousy like I did this week when I drove that car. I'm not talking about, maybe. But what I'm talking about is a person who lives in jealousy. It's their life. It's a consistent trait found in their character. And maybe you're sitting here today and maybe you're watching this online and you're thinking, Pastor Tom, you're stepping right on me right now. And I don't, I don't know... How do you know what I'm struggling with right now? And the thing I would say, hey, it's okay. In fact, it's great that you recognize it's you. Why is that? Because you're not so deceived that you can't change now. You see, if you're so deceived that you don't even recognize that it's you, guess what? It's you're down a road that's going to be difficult. But if you recognize, Pastor Tom, you're talking about me, guess what? You can ask the power of God, the power of his Holy Spirit to come in you Come inside of your life and help you change what's ungodly and take it over to godly character by the power of his spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. See, living behind a mask is not fun. We've been living behind a mask for eight months now. I, come on, we don't, it's not fun, right? It might be necessary, but it's not fun. I can't wait for the day where the masks are gone. See, living in truth is where we will find health. And the greatest opportunity for our life to grow. Brings me to my second thought that I'm sharing with you today. And that's godly wisdom. Because godly wisdom is described as peace loving. It's the opposite of jealousy. Instead of dividing, God, this godly wisdom that's peace loving. Instead of dividing, it brings unity. It brings people together. It, jealousy, if you, if you live in jealousy, it will always divide. It will Boy, the worst is if you get into a group of girls in junior high, oh, my gosh. You want to talk about jealousy? It goes every direction and it divided. You can't even keep up with their friends today or for yet. It's just always going everywhere. But this, but this peace loving, it brings people together. It's accepting people's gifts and talents as something that is honorable. It's recognizing God's gift being used for good and not for evil. Jesus says that, guess what? It says this, blessed are the peacemakers. Why? Because they are the people who are willing to put others first. They put people before themselves. They promote peace. They don't sow discord or division. Instead of being jealous of what others have, they actually celebrate the gifts that are inside of them. Jesus said that they, these people that are peacemakers, they will be called children of God, meaning that they actually represent the nature of God, who God is. We sang a song about communion, which is an awesome song. And, and I was thinking that, once, that one line, I'm horrible with that one line, but that one line talks about that, you know, I don't have to be right because he made me right. He made me 
Jesus is the one that is righteous in my life. It's an amazing song. And because of his righteousness, guess what? I follow after righteousness. Remember, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. Because he, offered, he ushered in the opportunity for our lives to find peace be, between us and our Heavenly Father. Sin is what caused the division in our life between God and man. But because of God's perfection, sin could not be tolerated by God. But Jesus came and he, and he all of a sudden he brought unity once again. That's why he is called the Prince of Peace. Peace. Jesus Christ. As followers of Christ, that's what should be... That's what our life should be about. All day, every day, we should be promoting peace in other people's lives. The second trait of godly wisdom is gentleness. And that scripture says at all times, all day, every day. That's why we talk at all times there should be a gentleness about you. Or, and, and that gentleness is opposite of what, what James was talking about, ungodly wisdom, where it's about boasting. Guess what? There's a gentleness. It's the ability to be modest because it's not focused on yourself. Gentleness is caring about the feelings of others. It's when all of a sudden you said something, you see someone's eyes and you go like, oh, what did I just say? Did I say something that just hurt them? And it's that gentleness to be able to come back around and say, I'm so sorry if I said something wrong. It's a gentleness of your spirit. It's not, it's not a bulldozer that just bulldozes through people. It's more like a bus that is stopping and bringing people along for the ride. Hey, come on. Come with me. That's what Jesus did. Hey, come follow me. Come follow me. He's bringing, he didn't just, just, he didn't go through and just clear out. No, come follow me. He made him feel apart. Gentleness is the ability to be patient, the ability to be kind, the ability to be loving even in the difficult situations. It's choosing not to be vindictive, but it's choosing to be restrained and modest. According to 1 Peter 3.15, even your testimony should allow for gentleness and respect. It's choosing not to be unloving, unloving or, or dogmatic or unkind. I've seen people, when they start to share their testimony, and you might have seen them, or re, you know, you're going to hell, repent, or you're going, like, that's going to help me right now? In reality, what's, what's going to help me is just be able to go love on people and show the kindness and the love of God. It's the goodness of God that draws people to repentance. It's his goodness. We need to show the goodness of God. Gentleness is listed as one of the fruits of the Spirit. And it should remind us that God is gentle, that God is kind, that God is loving, even with, our relationship, with his relationship with us. Godly wisdom is also unselfish. The scripture says, James writes it, it's willing to yield to others. It's the opposite of selfish ambition. It's looking, out for the, it's, it's, it's looking out for the interests of others, even at your own expense. It's really the story of the Good Samaritan. When the Good Samaritan came back, we talked about it a few weeks ago. He came by the person that had been beaten and robbed. It's stopping and saying, you know what, I need to help that person. I need to take money out of my own pocket and make sure that this person is okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to contribute. I'm going to invest into someone else. It's really the willingness to show mercy. It's the willingness to have a compassionate heart towards others. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. If you want to find godly wisdom, turn to Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, the Beatitudes. 
It's all about godly wisdom. Read that. In fact, I just feel I didn't share that with the first service, but I share it this week. Make that part of your study for this week, your Bible study. Read Matthew 5 through 7. It's really the beatitude. It's godly wisdom for your life. It will challenge you, guaranteed. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercies. It's the idea, do unto others as you would have them do unto you all day, every day. The wonderful truth about godly wisdom, here catch us. The wonderful truth about godly wisdom is there is no need for cover-up. There is no need for a cover-up. And I want you to catch this next thought. I call it the great reveal. If you look back at the first part of verse 17 of chapter 3, it states, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. You see, there's no need to disguise anything in your life if you have pure motives, if you have honest motives, if you live in godly attributes, if you chose to live in a godly wisdom for your life. There's nothing that you need to hide because godly wisdom is going to produce good actions. It's going to produce good deeds in your life. Godly wisdom doesn't show favoritism, favoritism, but remains sincere, meaning that's genuine, it's authentic. It's something that you can stand upon. It's honest. It's trustworthy. James writes, those who practice this quality of making peace are planting seeds that will produce a harvest of righteousness. Meaning because of your sincerity, because of your unselfishness, because of your care for others, because of in difficult situations you don't crumble. Because when all of a sudden someone, you know, they would think that you're going to react this way because they said something unkind to you. But you just return kindness back to them. All of a sudden they look at you and they're like, what? That's weird. Why did that person do that? And all of a sudden what's taking place is that because you're following after God's righteousness, because you have the Spirit of God and you're trying to follow after godly wisdom in your life, what's taking place is people recognize that something's different about you and they start to try to figure out what is different. And literally, as they're trying to figure out what's different about you, you're pointing them to righteousness, Christ's righteousness. And at some point you get the opportunity to say, it's not me. It's the God I follow. His name is Jesus. He set me free from my sin, and because of his righteousness, I can stand here today pure. And he is helping me walk out of my fleshly desires. And guess what? He is putting godly wisdom into my life, and you can have that too. Someone that is really struggling with jealousy, that's really, you know, that selfish ambition, that's everything's about me, and their life is crumbling around them. See, I don't think that we understand how powerful it is If we step into their world for just a moment and just say, hey, I can help you. Let me share something with you that's helped me find freedom in my life. Instead of always looking at myself, I started to serve a God named Jesus and he helped me to look at others first. And it set me free from all this stuff that you're struggling. It's amazing what you can do if you're willing to step out in faith. This is what James is talking about. Put your faith into action, not just for your own life, but put your faith into action to help someone else. Turn to that verse 13. If you are wise and understand God's way, James writes, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom. James is saying, if you understand God's wisdom, prove it by your actions. The truth from above is focused on pleasing God and helping others. 
Life no longer has to result, revolve around me. I hate when life becomes all about me. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, you start, it, it starts feeling closed in. It starts feeling limited. It starts feeling like, ooh, what do I, what do I have to live for? People that think about suicide, it, life is about me. That's all they can see. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not pushing anybody down. I'm just saying they got trapped in this trap that the devil sets out in front of them. And as soon as they can recognize that, you know what, life is not about me. Life is about helping others. It sets them free from that bondage. From the, and it sets them free to follow after Jesus Christ. Jesus can set you free. The wisdom that you choose to follow will have a direct effect on the condition of your heart. Godly wisdom acknowledges truth. Ungodly wisdom denies the truth. It's your choice. What are you going to choose to live by? That's what James is saying here. And if you need help, and maybe you're watching this online today, man, you said, Pastor Tom, you're stepping my toes once again. And, and I don't have microphones in your homes. I'm not doing any of that kind of stuff. I'm not bugging your houses. Some people accuse me of doing that. It's God. It's the Holy Spirit. I don't have anything. It's just God. God's Word is powerful. It's just true. Pastor Tom is studying God's Word, and I'm getting convicted. It's what it does. It's awesome. It's wonderful. It's life-changing for all of us. And, each, and if you're sitting here today and you say, man, Pastor Tom, you're right. I'm having to struggle with jealousy in my heart. or I'm having to struggle with ambition. or I'm catching myself lying all the time. I don't know why I'm doing that. You know what? We can go back to the beginning of James where we started. And we can go to James chapter 1, verse 5. And it says in James 1, 5, it says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and He will give it to you. That's your key. That's a promise in your life. If you're struggling and you're watching us online right now, and you're thinking, man, Tom, I don't have no way out. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You have a way out. James just said, if you need wisdom, ask of God. It's a promise in God's word. Ask for God and watch what will take place in your life. He will set you free. Some of you are thinking, you just get up there preach, Pastor Tom, and you think that, you know, you just say words and you... I'm telling you, ask for wisdom, watch what takes place. I've done it. I, I do it so often on a regular basis, weekly, if not daily. I walk into situations that are way over my head, and I say, God, help me. When I first got to this church eight years ago, I was met with the, one of the first things that many of the people in the church asked me. said, man, we need a new sign on the side of the building. And their sign was really small. You could not see it by the freeway or nothing. It was super small. And I said, okay, I'll take on that project. I don't mind doing something like that. But yeah, well, good luck, though, because it's going to be really difficult because the city doesn't like signage, and they're going to be against you, and you're going to have a hard time to do any of that stuff. And, and I started walking. It was a difficult process. And so we had this cool logo, and I thought, okay, I want to make that sign looked just like our logo and and so we had an architect draw it up and I went down to the city of San Juan and 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 met with one of the city planners and I showed him the plans and he was looking at the plans and he goes that's not going to work I said what do you mean it's not going to work you, you can't do that you have a box that has letters pushed through it let me and he turns to his codes right here see it says you cannot have and it says exactly what I have we can't have in the city So I go back to the sign architect and say, we can't do that. Just give me some black block letters and we'll put them on the building. South Coast Christian. Boring! But if that's all we can do, that's what we can do. We're just going to do that. 
So we get that, we get that architectural drawings. I go down to the city council meeting down in the city of San Juan. I walk in there, but before I walked in, I go, Lord, give me wisdom. Go before me. Give me your favor today. I just said a simple prayer, but I believed it. And I walked in there, I sat down in there, and I was waiting for my name to be called South Coast Christian, and the assigned guy was with me, and, and we were waiting there, and all of a sudden, hey, South Coast Christian, and we come down there, we present our scenario, and we, I don't even have the plans, my original plans. All I have is the plans that are the, that are the, black, the, the black letters, the drawings that are just kind of plain and simple, but that's what the city planner said all I could have. So we presented, and there was probably six or seven councilmen up there, and, and they're looking through it, and there's an older guy out there. I thought he might be kind of cantankerous, and I didn't, I thought, well, he's probably the one that's going to be. Never go by appearance. You never know. And I was listening, you know, they were looking at him, and all of a sudden he says, why is this so plain? It looks so boring. And it was like God just opened up the door, and all I had to do was walk through it. And I believe today the door is open because I said a prayer. God, I need your help. I go, well, that's what I was told that we wouldn't, the other one plan that we had would not be permitting. So do you have the other plan? I said, no. And I pull out my touch card. By the way, we should have our touch cards out there because this is a great way to invite people to the church. They're at the coffee bar. I pull out that touch card. I bring it up to that guy. I said, Here, here's what the sign should look like. And it just looks just like our logo. He goes, man, I like that a lot better. City planners down there, the one that told me that there's no way he's going to go through. He's going like, his head is going like this. Let's approve this one. I like this one better. What do you guys think? Yeah, I like this. Boom, approved. It goes against the the city ordinance. We're going to scratch that part off the tape so it's never been seen on scenario. But you'll you'll not see another sign in San Juan that has letters that are pushed through a box. And I truly believe it's because I took the time to ask for godly wisdom. I took the time to ask for God's favor as I walked into it. Try it this week when you're facing a difficult situation. See, so many times we just go in alone. Why not just stop and pause and say, God, go with me. Be there for me. Help me through this situation. We're living in a world right now that is searching for peace. We need to be peacemakers in this world. See, the world is looking for peace without righteousness. And the only way that you're ever going to discover peace is by righteousness. And that righteousness, His name is Jesus Christ. And so, let's go before. Let's ask for God's help in our situation. And let's go make a difference in the lives of people. Amen? Lord, I thank You for Your Word today. And I thank You that Your Word is going to change our life. All day, every day. As we dive into Your Word is going to impact us from the inside out. I pray that this week, Lord God, you will give us opportunity to be able to share a touch card, to be able to share a word with someone that lifts up, that doesn't divide, that doesn't separate. But God, we're like a bus that says, get on the bus, come join me. I want to take you a place where you can find freedom and love and goodness and grace and mercy and be set free from the bondage that you might be living in. I know a God, his name is Jesus. God, I pray, give us the opportunity this week to make a difference in the lives of others. Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast. 
because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.